1: you to pray with me and for me.
0: I need you to speak truth to me and encourage me. I need you to help me become an outward-focused follower of Jesus. I need you to walk with me. Well, Kathy and I just want to welcome you here to Grace Church. Maybe you'll be worshiping uh, from the venue today or in the cafe, uh, in the auditorium, or wherever you're at in the world, online. Uh, Welcome to you. We're continuing our series right now, talking about discipleship, and today's, we're talking about another need that our disciples need from us to grow spiritually. Today's topic, I need you to walk with me. I need you to walk with me, and Kathy, we spent a lot of time recently talking, not just physically, but what does that mean to walk with someone through life and and to walk with you? You you have your own story.
1: I do. Uh, We're going to put a picture on the screen of us walking on the beach in California. And so there's two things that I love. I love to go to the beach, and I love to be with my family. So this is a great memory because we got to do this last summer. Someone was gracious to watch our two-year-old, Malin. So walking together without a two-year-old is a lot easier. It's a game changer. we Went straight. We went far. Uh, it was great, but this particular picture is a little out of the normal for the way normally we walk as a family. We do a lot of hiking, and typically I am um, not in the lead. Usually Jacob or Krina, or most often Tim is in the lead. And as time goes on, and we're walking, sometimes they get further and further in front of me, and I wonder, are we still walking together? And if I got mugged, how long would it take for someone to notice?
0: Yes, great moments in husband leadership, right there. Uh, there's been more than once I've heard the phrase, "I need you to walk with me." Right? I've heard that. That's our topic. I have my own story, by the way. Several years ago, I was in a small group, a men's grace group. We go to Colorado to climb a 14er, a fourteen thousand foot mountain together. Here's a picture of us. You can see us dotted along the trail hiking up the ridge in Colorado. So there's one guy in our group a maverick, a trailblazer, but also super impatient. And he got so tired of waiting on us, he just left us. He hiked up the rest of the mountain ahead of us on his own. You say, what's the big deal? There was another guy in our group having trouble breathing at 14,000 feet, climbing, which is why our group had to trade off carrying his backpack for him, two backpacks now, and actually pushing and pulling him up this mountain. Thanks a lot, our maverick friend. This is a living version of I need you to hike with me. I need you to hike with me. I need you to walk with me. So we talk a lot this week about that's physically walking with somebody, but we've asked a lot of questions this week.
1: Right, so what does it mean to walk with someone? Uh, Well, There's another picture on the screen that we're going to show you of people walking. And you look at it and you say, Are they actually walking together? The people on the left, maybe the people on the right. You don't really know. Are they walking together? So we were asking, how would you know? How would you know you are? I know I'm walking with someone because we blank. And that's what we're trying to answer.
0: Yeah. In fact, we'll just pause and ask you guys the question. Is there somebody in life that you're walking with? I need you to walk with me. You're walking through life. With probably a number of people. What does that mean to walk through life with someone? And why is that important? Like, what if you are walking through life totally on your own? Why do you need this? Why do we all need this? So we're going to be in our Bibles in Amos 3.3. three. We'll begin in Amos chapter three verse three. Our ushers have Bibles, pens, and message notes. If you're newer, you can raise your hand and get a hold of those. Best way though is go online right now. Go to visitgracechurch.com/live. Or use the Grace Church app. You can download the electronic message notes. If you have questions about discipleship or parenting, there's only one more week left. Text your questions to 913-274-9670. We are collecting those for a panel Q&A weekend next weekend. This weekend, though, I need you to walk with me. And I'm going to have Kathy Kathy pray for us.
1: Dear Father, I thank you that you um, promised that we don't need to be alone, that you promise that you will never leave us or forsake us. Lord, help us to put aside the things that are on our minds right now and to hear from you. Help us to hear your instruction. Lord, help us to hear your hope, and that you will give us the strength and all that we need to walk wherever we need to walk, and you will give us the people we need to walk with. Lord, help us to listen to you. Help us to obey you today, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. All right, so what does it mean to walk with someone? When you read the major and minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament, every prophet is called by God because Israel has stopped walking with him. And Israel, he's God saying to Israel, I need you to walk with me. Every prophet, they're asking in different ways, why aren't you walking? Please start walking with me. And it's a privilege to walk with God. Amos 3.3, here's how Amos is told to ask the question. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? This is God to Israel. God's saying, hey, can you really call it walking with me if we're not agreed around certain types of things? And so Kathy and I process this verse. How can you walk together unless you're agreed this week? I need you to walk with me. And we try to figure out. We figure out three questions to ask to determine if you're walking with someone. You can write these down. Letter A. Letter A. Are you headed in the same direction? If you're headed in the same direction, you might be walking with someone. If one person's walking this way, another's walking that way, it is very clear you're not walking with them. So like in the mountain example, we were headed up the same mountain, same direction, but we got off on one of these other two areas. Right in the letter B, you can write down this. Are you walking at the same pace? The same pace. You can have the same direction, but if one person works fast... Another person needs to speed up like my wife. She's walking slower. If you need, you like that? Yeah, I don't know.
1: If I wasn't carrying all the stuff.
0: I, 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 I probably agree with that. <laughs> but you can't, I mean, you have a different pace. Part of walking together is, you know what you're doing constantly? You're speeding up, slowing down. You're watching each other to stay together. Are you walking at the same pace? Letter C, you can write down, are you relatively close? Relatively close. So we we're talking about this. So you can have the same direction and the same pace, but if you're 100 yards behind, can you really call that, I'm walking with you? You're 100 yards behind. So we try to figure out, what does it mean to walk with someone? We've we figured out within conversation distance. If you can have a conversation, literally, while you're walking, that's close enough. You're relatively close. If you're within communication distance, so what does it mean to walk with someone? Same direction, same pace, relatively close. Is there somebody in life you're walking through life with? Same direction, same pace, relatively close in communication. You'll see people walking on the road, you're like, Those guys are not walking together. You see two people walking. Man, they are totally walking together. You can absolutely see it.
1: And then the amazing thing is that Amos is going back to God, talking to the nation of Israel, that God wants to walk with us. And we see this in Genesis 5. He talks about individuals walking with God. Enoch walked with God. And Genesis 6 is where Noah walked with God. And then later, Hosea 11 says the tribe of Judah walked with God. And that's just... You know, an amazing, mind-blowing concept that the God of the universe, all-powerful, wants to walk with us as individuals. He wants us to go his direction. He wants us to go his pace. You know, he'll slow down for us, but sometimes he'll say, come on, let's get going. And that he wants to be relatively close to us. I mean, that really just gives me goosebumps. The God of the universe wants to walk with me.
0: Yeah, but pause and ask yourself the question. Ask yourself that question right now. Like, would God say this to you? Would God say, Amos 3, 3, I need you to walk with me? Are you walking with God? Do you have the same direction as God? Are you walking with God? Do you have the same pace that God has with you? Are you walking with God? Are you relatively close, within conversation distance? Like, you're talking to him, he's speaking to you. That's how you walk with God. All right, that's the what of walking with somebody. Now we're going to turn to the why. We have three reasons why we should deeply care about walking with God and walking with others. Kathy has the first reason.
1: Number one is I need you to walk with me to experience life together. I need you to walk with me to experience life together. So I like this picture because is this picture... A beautiful walk on a sunset beach with waves lapping off to the right and the cool breeze and you're just having a great time? Maybe. Or is it a desperate struggle for life as you try to escape the desert and find water? You know, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but either way, this walk is better with the two sets of fo- footprints. I mean, that sure. there's someone that you're walking with in the joys and the struggles of your life. And 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six talks about that says, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Life is better when you share it. The good times and the bad times. Jesus gives us the example. When he called his disciples to follow him, it wasn't just about information and teaching. He says, walk with me. And they celebrated weddings together, and they did have messages together and late-night fishing trips. But then when life was hard and Jesus was struggling in the garden, he called his friends to pray with him. He wanted his friends to walk with him in the highs and the lows. And it makes me think about what discipleship is all about, parenting all about. It's just not scripted. You can't say, okay, at 9 o'clock I'm going to do this. It's not always like that. It's what happens along the walk. It's where you're talking and where you're teaching and where you're loving each other, which is what we've been talking about the last several weeks. It really just happens along the way in the walk.
0: Yeah, we have things, spontaneous discipleship moments Mm -hmm. pop up in life, and you realize, I'm in a moment. Here it is. I want to go back to that verse, by the way. Kathy points out something profound, because if you suffer with someone and you rejoice with someone, you'll become closer to them. That's the key to being closer, suffering with someone, rejoicing with them. Notice the word member. Member means a body part. You are connected because you're suffering, rejoicing. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. If you suffer and rejoice, you're going to be connected almost like the same body. The key to getting close to somebody is, is like experiencing life together. And even the apostle John Said that you can't even have full joy without somebody else and God rejoicing with them. First John one four. After you talk about relationships, says and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. It's true. We need relationships with God and others to have full joy. I know. I've been in beautiful places of this world on missions trips and business trips and whatever. And when I'm by myself in those beautiful places, if I had one friend with me. Just one. My joy would be fuller in this beautiful place. That's so true. We have a friend of ours who is wired quite independently, and we were debating the merits of grace groups. Like, we've really gotten closer to our grace group. We've been rejoicing uh, with them and suffering with them the last several months. We've gotten closer. But we we're debating it, and I, you know, I'm a friend of his, and he's like, ah, I don't know if I really need grace groups and those things. And and so we, this is the way we talk. I'm great in safety. We talk together like this. He likes this. He talked to me. I said, just how selfish are you? <laughs> we both laugh. I said, so you don't need a grace group. That means others need you. They need you. They need you to help get to the point where you have this relationship with Christ. You're passing it on. And we laughed. He goes, yeah, to be honest, I've got these deep relationships. If they were gone, I don't know what I would do. Like we all, even independent people, need Relationships. Number one, the reason we need to walk with someone. I need you to walk with me to experience life together. So Kathy has the second reason. We desperately need, I need you to walk with me. What's our second reason?
1: Second reason is, is I need you to walk with me to help each other. I need you to walk with me to help each other. And this photo is a cute little boy just learning to walk. And obviously his parent or an adult is, is helping him walk. It makes me think of, again, my two-year-old Malin, that we like to take walks to the park. So she can walk, but she has no idea how to get there by herself. So I am helping her get to the park, sending her in that direction, and we're walking together. And along the way, I'm teaching her not to go in the street, what to touch, what not. And I let her wander a little, and that's life. We, we wander a little to the side because we're, we're learning, we're experienced. But I'm, I'm not going to let her get too far. I'm going to stay close. And we're going to be the same direction and we're going to go the same pace so I can help her get there. And if she falls, I'm going to pick her up. Such a difference from Tim's example up the mountain where the the one impatient man went all the way to the top. And he missed out on helping someone and helping that person get up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So we gave physical examples of Malin in the Mountain. But it makes me also think of a, a great friend of mine several years ago who had made a bad relationship choice. And she was in sin, and I know that she knew it, but she just needed someone to walk with her and say, Look, I put my arm around her and tell her, Look, you know that this, what you're doing is wrong, and I love you. But if you're going to follow God, we gotta, we got to get this right. And she knew it. She just wanted someone to help her. But then you do. what do you do then? It's kind of I'm pointing out, look, you've fallen. And I could just walk away. Like, I don't have time to slow down and help you, but you have fallen. Just wanted you to know, goodbye. But I didn't want to do that because I wanted to walk with her, which means I had to slow down, and it's inconvenient, but that's what life is about when we're helping each other. So I slowed down. I said, look. Yes, you've sinned, but then there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's forgiveness, and there's repentance, and let me help you get back up, and let's go this way again. Let's go follow God again, and I'm going to be there with you because God is with you. And we're, we're like God's physical representation to those people when they fall, saying, look, he hasn't abandoned you, and neither will I. Let's go. Let's walk again, and I'm going to pick you up for church, too, just in case you were thinking about not going.
0: Yeah, and she even did a really good job, Kathy did, even helping her with the difficult conversation like crafting a conversation to have with this other person and practicing it and encouraging, praying for before and after that conversation, the hard conversation to have. So here's a question. When you have somebody fall around you, do you just point it out and move on? Do you pause to kick them a couple times when they're down? Or do you slow your world down and say, let me help you back up? Because the reason, one of the reasons we walk with someone, I need you to walk with me to help each other. Now, that's with falling. Let's talk about protection. I know that when I, when my uh, the ladies in, in our household walk at night in the dark, I don't like them to walk alone. It's not quite as safe alone walking in the dark. I like to walk with somebody. Why? I need you to walk with me to help each other. It's just safer. That same protection works relationally with the friendships you have. Look at a profound verse, Proverbs 13, verse 20. Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise. One of the wildest things is if you have friends around you who are wise people, they're going to rub off on you. You want to see what kind of person you're becoming? Look at your friend group. If they are wise, you're going to become wiser. If they're just wise guys, they're just out there. What's going to happen to you? The companion of fools will be destroyed. Your friends and my friends, we are shaped in so many ways by those we associate with. This is true, I know, for me in high school. So in high school, I was not a Christian. I never went to church. I didn't have Christian friends. But my friend group uh, just didn't go do all the kind of addiction kind of things. We just hung out, played games, pool, and we were kind of nerdy together. And it's because of my friendships, those friends together affected me. We weren't moral. We were not spiritual. But I walk with you and we rubbed off on each other. I know that we agonize about our kids' friends, our children's friends. Because we know that right now, the friends of our children are affecting their faith. Right now, the friends of our children are affecting our children's uh, attitudes. Right now, the friends that our kids have, the words they use are impacting the words that our kids are using and there are seasons that we have conversations around friendships, pray like crazy. Sometimes pray, God, would you limit the impact of this particular friend on this child? We see it also with discipleship. We have the disciple doing great, and they get this Yahoo doctrine Wah! out there. I mean, serious, out there kind of doctrine. And now, what in the world happened? They crept in and they're believing something odd. We need to pray for our kids.
1: Yeah, that's something that we try and do on a regular prayer list kind of way, whether it's your disciple or your kid. Do you pray for the friends that they have or their future spouse if they're single?
0: Yeah, so number two, I need you to walk with me because we need to help each other. If we fall, help each other, protect each other, help each other. All right, Kathy has a third thought regarding why we need so desperately to be walking with someone.
1: Yes, number three is I need us to make adjustments as we walk together. I need us to make adjustments as we walk together. That means both parties may have to make some adjustments. When you look at this photo, imagine walking with each of the men on screen, and how would you have to adjust your walk? With a baby versus someone in their prime, versus someone getting older. Some you might have to carry, some you could run with. I would probably say slow down for some, and some you might support. So there's all kinds of adjustments that you make. We're going to talk about two different kinds the spiritual adjustments that you would make as they grow spiritually older, and then in a few minutes, Tim will talk about the physical adjustments you make when you have a child in your home and they're, and they're um, aging and getting older. So the first one is spiritual changes, spiritual growth. 1 John 2 verses 13 and 14 talks about three different spiritual stages. As we talk about it, think about which stage are you in. Try and find yourself in these stages.
0: Let me encourage you also, you may be eight years old and a parent spiritually, you may be- 75 years old and a spiritual baby, find which spiritual stage you are. It's unrelated to your physical age. All right.
1: So the first stage of spiritual growth is spiritual childhood. And in verse 13 it says, I write to you little children because you have known the Father. So this is just that first baby stage where last week I talked about Wonder and discover—it's where we're discovering how God is our Father and all the wonderful things related to that. Just the real, the wow stage of who God is to me—he's my dad. And then in verse fourteen, he skips a stage and goes straight to the oldest one, which is spiritual parenthood. And you know that you're a spiritual parent if you're discipling someone. You're a, you're a spiritual father because you're investing, discipling someone. And he says, "I've written to you, fathers, because you've known Him." who's from the beginning. So now your relationship with God when you're a spiritual parent isn't just who he is to me as my dad, but God has a much larger role and he's eternal and you're learning that from that stage as well as you're discipling someone.
0: And then John picks up the goes to the middle stage, the teenager or adolescent stage. Look at the second stage Fine. are you a t- spiritual teenager perhaps? Three things are going on in your world if that's true. Verse 14. I have written to you young men Okay, you're an adolescent, you're a teenager spiritually, and you have three characteristics. Because you are strong, that's spiritual strength, and the word of God abides in you. I mean, the Bible is coming alive for you. That's a spiritual teenager. And you have overcome the wicked one. You're getting spiritual victories. And number three is I need us to make adjustments as we walk together. When we deal with these three spiritual ages of discipleship, whether you're 8 years old or 85 years old, that's your physical age, it's unrelated to which stage you are spiritually. So when a spiritual child, the 85-year-old spiritual child, grabs us about a question, we spoon-feed them. Well, here, here's what the Old Testament, New Testament is. Here's what, here's what God says about this. We're spoon-feeding the spiritual child, whether they're 8 or 85 years old their spiritual child. Let me help you with what the God says about this, that, and the other. How do you deal with a spiritual teenager? You say, there's the oven, there's the microwave, and there's the fridge. And you're teaching them how to fo- follow God together. You say, "Have you before you ask me about Bible verses on peace, have you done an Internet search on Bible verses on peace? Do that before you ask me. I'm trying to teach you how to feed yourself. Here's some Bible tools online. Let me show you how to use these. The Bible's coming alive to that spiritual teenager. If a spiritual father, a discipler comes and asks us a question what we should do, here's the question we ask them. What did God tell you? What's God told you? Because you ask different questions, you adjust I need to make adjustments as someone grows spiritually. That's missing, by the way, we're missing one other spiritual stage. and that's, you can write down the passage that lists this. It's First 1 Peter 1: 1, 22 through chapter two, verse three. First Peter, chapter one, verse 22 through chapter two, verse three, says, "There's people who have not yet been born again into God's family. You're prior to becoming a spiritual you're not even a spiritual child yet. You have to receive Jesus first. To be born spiritually into God's family. So now, which stage are you in? Are you in a spiritual childhood stage? Well, you know that because the Bible's never come alive for you yet. And the strength is not quite there. And the victories aren't quite there. You're a spiritual child. Build your relationship to God. You're a spiritual. It's okay. Everyone's a spiritual child at some point. Are you a spiritual teenager? You know you're a spiritual teenager because you're not discipling someone. You're actually strong, the Bible's coming alive for you, you're growing victories, you're not discipling someone. Are you a spiritual parent? You're influencing, mentoring someone, parenting spiritually, or you're not yet in God's family, you need to receive Jesus Christ to save you born spiritually. I was born at, I was 19 years old physically, and I was a newborn infant when I received Christ spiritually, the age of 19. All right, that's spiritually the adjustments we make. But number three is I need to make adjustments as we walk together. Let's talk about the parenting if you have a child at home. Here's a chart showing how authority and influence change for a parent over time. I'm going to point out this is not the scale, and the graph looks different for every child. But let's point out the concepts. When a child is born, you're on the left side, zero years old. You have total authority in that baby's life. And your relational influence is pretty much zero. It's low. Go way off to the right hand. Now they're 18 years old. Your authority has been eroded. The control of them has been eroded for 18 years. It is gone. And you better have replaced your gradually eroding control in their life with a relational influence. Replacing that. See, parents who keep leading from control as an 18-year-old squish their kid up, they are gone. You see, that's why at some point those cross and parents realize, oh, my control of them is less now than my influence of the... Ro- I need to replace the, lo- the lost control that's gradually eroding with the relationship and influence rather than control and authority. I need us to make adjustments as we walk together. All right, so Kathy has our final verse. And this is from one man, John, to another man, Gaius... They're not related, but he's his son because it's discipleship, it's spiritual parenting. We want to bring you some hope.
1: We do, and when we read this verse, it's such a blessing when it applies to you right now. And it really is an absolute dagger when it's not applying to you right now. But there is hope, like Tim says. So verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And really that's the target. That's what we're aiming for. We want it so that when our kids are not physically with us and they're off on their own, they are gonna continue to walk in truth and to follow Christ. I mean that's that's what we want. That's our goal. But we know that some people might be listening and just heartbroken because you have done everything you can possibly do. You have done it right. You have shown them the way. You have modeled it. You have walked the path, and you have offered to walk with them. You have slowed down to try and walk with them encourage them. But they've chosen a different way, maybe. Maybe they've just chosen, no, I'm not going that path. Or maybe they've chosen a different companion and not you and say, I don't want you to walk with me. I want someone else to walk with me. And it's, I know it's, it's heartbreaking, and you would do anything to change it. And yet when John wrote this, he was rejoicing over Gaius. But just a few verses later in that same tiny book of the Bible, he's talking about Diotrephes, who didn't walk with it, in truth. And he had several things to say of what he wasn't doing. And so even this great disciple John, he hurt too. He rejoiced with the son that was, but he was hurt for the one that wasn't. And so we just want to give you hope that even though that might be your state right now, maybe your son or daughter or disciple has taken a wrong turn or several wrong turns, That doesn't mean that that's the way that it is for the future. And that doesn't mean that God isn't working even in those wrong turns. And that he has a plan. And that a few years from now, whenever the future is, who's to say that you are walking together in the way that God has designed?
0: And if you're in that situation, by the way, you're wondering, what in the world are we supposed to do? I'd like to walk with them. They're not walking in the right direction. So think about what it means to walk with someone. You have the same direction, same pace. Relatively close. So i got three steps. If you have a, a disciple going haywire, a child maybe not walking the way you want, what do you do? Three steps. The first one is build the relationship. Focus on the relationship. Because of the three things, you can't control their direction. That's their direction. You can't even control their pace. You'd like to control your direction and pace. You can't. Control is gone. You need to influence, which is why you build the relationship first. And then... Number two, trust that God loves them more than you. That's a hard one. It's a true one because you can't fathom someone loving this person more than you do. I Believe me, God does far more than you. He knows what's going on. He loves them, created them. He loved, trust that God loves them far more than you do. And he's working in their life and wants to see them grow even more than you do. And number three, keep praying for them. Keep praying for them. It is really easy. When we're praying for something, we pray, we pray, nothing happens. We pray, we pray, we pray, fine. Or you're just like, I'm so tired of praying and seeing no answer. You just kind of give up. I'm going to ask you to put it back on your list and pray for them again. Prayers never expire. They keep going. They might be answered years away. Prayers never expire. Keep praying, praying. Bug God about it. Let's go back to that verse again in in 3 John 4. I'm going to ask, because we started this whole thing with Amos 3, 3, where God is asking the nation of Israel, I need you to walk with me. God talking to people, I need you to walk with me. Could God write 3 John 4 about your relationship with him? Are you walking with God? Could God write this? I have no greater joy than to hear that you, my child, walk in truth. I have no greater joy. You know, God has no greater joy than for you as his child, whether you're a spiritual child or a teenager or you're discipling somebody as a parent. There's no greater joy for God than to hear that you are walking with him. Are you walking with God? Same direction. Are you walking with God? Same pace. Are you walking with God? Relatively close. The communication lines are open. And maybe you're here and you've never received Christ. Today's the day. Let's pray. God, we come to you. I pray for people who are disciples and they are hurting for their disciples. They did everything right. Or I pray for those who have children that they're hurting for. And... They want so desperately to fix the direction and pace, but they can't control it. You can't fix it. May they build the relationship and know you love this person and pray like crazy and, and work on the re- increasing the relational influence as the authority and control have been leached away over the years. God, I pray. I pray for us that we'd walk with you. Maybe you're prompting in people's lives, Lord, about changing their direction, their target, what their life's all about. Or picking up the pace or slowing down the pace of their life to walk with you. Or maybe just being in communication, relatively close to you. God, we need people to walk with us. Our disciples need us to walk with them. So we can grow. I pray for those also who, when they try to find themselves, are they a spiritual child or a teenager or a parent? Well, they're none of those. And they could receive Jesus today, be born again into God's family. Lord, I pray for them. That they would receive you and know without a doubt that Jesus, you are their Lord. Would you pray for those? Just be in prayer right now for those who... Didn't find themselves as a spiritual child, teenager, or a parent from 1 John. But they're really that man or woman of 1 Peter 1. And they need to receive Jesus. Would you pray for them right now? Let's all bug God together. Pray for them to receive Jesus. And I'm speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It's time to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. You say, how do you do that? Well, you both place your faith in him, and you surrender everything to him. Faith and surrender. Faith means that you pray to Jesus Christ, you say, Jesus, I place my faith in your death and resurrection for me. That's where my faith is going, in you. You died, you rose for me. Surrender. Jesus, I give me to you. I surrender myself to you, my future to you, my life to you. Everything is yours. Faith and surrender. If you've not received Jesus as Savior, I urge you right now, pray to him, dear Jesus, I place my faith in you and I surrender to you. I give my life to you. You can pray with me. Say, dear Jesus, pray in your mind, dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I admit to you that I I can't fix my sins myself. And Jesus, I place my faith, pray this, I place my faith in you as the one who died for my sins, you who rose again for my sins. I place my faith in the fact that you're alive right now. And pray this, dear Jesus, I surrender. I surrender myself to you. I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my future, my direction to you. I know you want me to walk with you. God, I want to walk with you. Make me a child in your family, a newborn child in your family. Would you continue praying for people wherever they're at? If you prayed with me to receive Jesus as Christ as Savior, wherever you're at, you're at home, you're in the cafe, the venue, in the auditory, would you recognize what God has done by raising your hand nice and high? Tim, I prayed wherever you're at, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ with you just now, nice and high. I prayed to make sure. for your love and your sacrifice and your goodness. May we be a a church of people who walk with our dad. God, you're our dad. We pray this in Jesus' name.